So when you all came in, you found a sticker on your seat that says, hello, my name is Busy. And so just to start this whole thing, we are leveling the playing field. Whether you are a follower of Jesus, you're not a follower of Jesus, this is your first time in this building, you've been here 50 years, man, woman, young, old, let's all take this sticker off and put it on, and we're just going to identify ourselves as busy. We're just busy. Now, I know this is true for me, I don't know if it's true for you, but I'm busier and busier and more tired and more tired, and I just wait for things to start slowing down, and it just isn't happening. In fact, I've never met anybody, anywhere, anytime, whenever I've said, how are you doing, and they've responded, I'm not very busy. (laughs) Never. I've never heard that. I think busyness has actually become a badge of honor. The busier we are, the more important we feel. We try to impress each other with our busyness. Well, you've got soccer practice tonight? (laughs) I got soccer practice and dance practice. You got soccer practice and dance practice? I got to go grocery shopping after all that. You worked 50 hours last week? I worked 65 hours last week. It's a badge of honor to be busy anymore now. Marketers know this about us, they continually tempt us. We'll help you move faster. Act now. Don't delay. You can buy it now if you just stretch enough. You can earn it if you run a little faster. Stay a little longer. Work a little harder. Can you resonate with this? Going faster and becoming more tired. I don't think we're just tired. I think some of us, we're just exhausted. We're just exhausted. Many of us in this room, we've entered into a way of life that is toxic to our souls. And this pace of life is sucking the life out of us. And if your whole life is rushed, if you go from task to task, if you find yourself constantly running on fumes, trying to cram more in, if there's nothing more to your life than trying to do more between now and the day you die, you're going to pay a serious price, physically and spiritually. Physically, doctors have told us this. If we go faster and faster and stay busy without ever slowing down, it leads to an increase in heart problems, depression, bad attitude, and burnout. And have you noticed, I noticed this in me, when we don't slow down, it erodes our capacity to enjoy life. We kind of just skim along the top of the water, never taking time on what matters most. And spiritually, when we don't slow down, God just kind of gets pushed to the side. We don't even mean to do this sometimes. He's important to us, but we're just so busy, we just push him to the side. And if you're not noticing this, friends, your kids are noticing it. Marcus Buckingham, a leadership expert, did a survey with Gallup where they talked to 1,000 different families, and they asked the parents and the children the exact same question. They asked this. They said, what do you want most from your parents? And the parents responded this way, very interesting. They said, my child wants more time with me. They asked the same question to the kids. What do you want most from your parents? And the kids responded, we wish our parents were less tired and less stressed. If you don't see it in your own life, your kids are noticing. We need to learn how to rest. And fortunately for us, God has something to say about it. 
about this busyness, and he addressed it in the 10. It's such an important command that we just break left and right. And so we're in a series called 10. Brian said that this morning. It's a study on the Ten Commandments. And what we're learning, it's the first line in your notes, and I just wrote it out because we want to say this every week to you. And so I just put it on there. God's boundary lines, these Ten Commandments, they are a gift, and honoring them leads to freedom. We've said this phrase each week, but it is certainly true for this fourth commandment. It's been said, this this commandment we're looking at today, to slow down, to rest, it it may be the most violated commandment in our society today. It's the only one we certainly go around bragging about breaking, right? Yeah, I coveted my friend's television yesterday. Yeah, I, I stole something from the store yesterday. We don't say that, but we're quick to say, man, I'm just so busy and so tired, I never rest. And we just don't think anything about it. And so, today, we're going to look at this command, and I pray that we see it as a gift, not a punishment. It's a gift that will take this commandment seriously and apply it to our lives, and we will find out it leads to greater freedom. So, to do that, we're going to look at God's word and see what he has to say about it. And the Ten Commandments we've been studying are in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. If you're getting used to your Bible, it's the second book in your Bible, Genesis, and then Exodus, chapter 20, beginning in verse 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are black Bibles in the seat racks in front of you. You can take one of those out. Exodus, chapter 20, verse 8, is on page 52 of those black Bibles. And if you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you. We would love for everybody to have a copy of God's Word. And so Exodus 20, verse 8, we'll be looking at the fourth commandment. And so before we read this together, I want to kind of set the context for you because to understand the importance of this command, we have to understand who it was originally given to. The children of Israel, God's people, were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And during that time, they had no rest. No rest. Imagine this with me. 400 years without a day off. They worked for 400 years, seven days a week, from sunup to sundown without ever resting. Exodus 1, verse 11, says this. On the screen it says, So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed them brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with their crushing labor. And they did wear them down. And it worked. And the Bible says the Israelites cried out to God because of their hard labor, and he heard their groaning, and he rescued them out of slavery from the land of Egypt. And so these two million people who have worked every day for 400 years from sunup to sundown hear these words from the one true God. Would you read them with me in the first gray box on your notes? God says to these hardworking people, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. I'm going to keep reading in verse 10. On it, on the Sabbath, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Pretty inclusive there. Nobody should do work. And so I've studied this 
a lot this week. And this is my best translation of this command. If you're following in your notes, this is what I think the translation is. Stop working. Stop working. The word Sabbath is a Hebrew word that literally means to stop or to cease. God said to the people, you shall take a 24-hour period and stop working. You'll work for six and rest for one. And then in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, you can follow in your Bibles, God gives us the why. He gives us the why of this command. And this is so important. In verse 11, it says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The why is that this command is inextricably linked to creation. God created the world, and on the sixth day, the high point of creation, he created us, human beings, in his image. And then on the seventh day, what did he do? What did he do? He rested. And so as I thought about this, here's the question that comes to my mind. Do you think God needed to rest? Of course not. He's God. We're told in the Bible God never tires. He never slumbers. He never grows weary. He didn't need to rest. God didn't come to the end of the week and say, thank me, it's Friday. You'll get that in a minute. He'll... He didn't say that. He never tires. God rested on the seventh day because he wanted to show us this pattern of work and rest. Six and one. Six and one. And so if you're following in your notes, in creation, God provides a pattern for work and rest. And because, remember, on the sixth day, we're made in his image, he knows how we work best. He knows it. And he knows this pattern of work and rest. It leads to a better life. And it leads to a deeper relationship with him. He just knows this. So within this command to rest, God provides two principles that helped guide his people on how to practice the Sabbath. And so number one, if you're following on your notes, the first principle we find within this Sabbath is rest and remember that you are God's creation. He told the Israelites, work six, rest one. Because he wanted them to remember that their lives were more about all they could do. They wanted to, he wanted them to know. He wanted them to pause to remember that they were created by him and for him. And that they existed to be in a relationship with him. And he knows that about us. That if we don't pause once a week to remember this, that we are created by him and for him and exist to be in a relationship with him, it'll just get pushed to the side. He knows that. I've seen it happen in my life. Rest and remember that you're God's creation. And the second thing, the second principle we see, the ten, rest and remember that you have been set free. Rest and remember you, you've been set free. The Ten Commandments are, are given two times in the Bible, right? In Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. And in both of those, in Exodus and Deuteronomy, we see that the command to rest, to stop working, is almost identical. But the reason given 
is totally different. And so in Deuteronomy 5.15, God gives us this reason. He says, Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Remember, this command, it's given to people who worked for 400 years every day, sun up till sundown, and God wanted them to remember what he had done for them, that he had freed them. He wanted them to remember his goodness, how much he loved them, how he rescued them, and he wanted them to remember who they are. They were no longer slaves. They're his chosen people. And God knew that if in their busy schedules they were not intentional about resting and remembering, he would just get pushed to the side. And they'd forget who they were in him. And in the same way, God wants us to remember that Jesus Christ came to this earth, that he died on the cross and forgave us of our sins so we no longer need to be slaves to our past. We're not slaves to what we used to do or our bad decisions or our sin. And God knows that we need to be intentional about remembering who he is and what he's done for us, that he's rescued us from the slavery to sin. And he needs us to remember that our identity is not in our work or what we do, but it's in him. And it's in him alone. And in our busy schedules, just like the Israelites, if we're not intentional we'll just kind of push God to the side. And we'll forget him, and we'll forget who we are in him. God gave his overworked, his tired people, the gift of rest and remembering who they are in him. And a lot of times what happens is that God gives us something really good, and we make it bad. That's happened throughout history, and that's certainly what happened with this gift of rest. The Israelites and their religious leaders, instead of observing the Sabbath day to honor and obey God and to rest, they began to observe the Sabbath in order to earn God's favor. And they turned this day that was a gift of rest into a day of do's and don'ts. And so if you're following on your notes, the gift of rest became a list of do's and don'ts. The gift of rest became regulations, and regulations became law, and law became legalism. And by the time Jesus came on the scene a couple thousand years later, these Jewish leaders had written an entire book on Jewish law. It's called the Talmud. It is 6,200 pages long, and it lists all of the laws and what people could and could not do on the Sabbath. They had turned it in to a bunch of do's and don'ts in order to earn God's favor. It was forbidden to tie a knot. It was forbidden to light a fire. It was forbidden to move a lamp. It was forbidden to lift an egg. It was forbidden to cook. It was forbidden to go on a journey. And it was forbidden to pick up your child if your child had anything in his hand because that was considered work and a burden. A bunch of do's and don'ts. And in this list, they just missed that God gave them this gift so they could remember him and remember who they are in him. So instead of a day of rest designed to protect the health of the people, it became a day of prohibitions. C.S. Lewis, an author in the early 1900s, said, We took one of God's great gifts to us and we made the rule, Thou shall not enjoy the Sabbath. 
So Jesus came along, and he had frequent disagreements with these religious leaders who had this book of laws. And Jesus actually did work on the Sabbath according to what they considered work. He healed people. He did good. He blessed people. He glorified his Father. And after one of these interactions with the religious leaders when they were trying to figure out what to do with this guy named Jesus, he listened to all their rules and regulations, and then he proclaimed this statement. Would you read it with me in the second box on your notes today, the second gray box? It says, Jesus said this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, you've missed the point of this. This is not a day about do's and don'ts. It is a gift that God gave you to make your life better and you have turned it into a bunch of rules in order to earn God's favor. Jesus wants us to know that the Sabbath was never intended to be a burden. It was never a punishment. It was a gift. So if you're following in your notes, Jesus reminds us that the Sabbath is a gift given to know him more and make our lives better. Given to know him more and make our lives better. So what does this mean for us today? Because there are so many questions when it comes to the Sabbath. When is it? What do I do? How do I do it? Do I get in trouble if I don't? And so like most things in history, this is what's happened. The pendulum usually swings, right? So we've just looked at the Bible and the Pharisees and the religious leaders that were legalistic in this. Rules and do's and don'ts. So they were on this end of the pendulum. And now the pendulum has swung. And it's at a place where some of you may observe the Sabbath on a weekly basis. But my guess, if you're like me, you just disregard this command. We just blatantly break it most weeks. And so we have gone from legalism to minimizing it. And so how do we bring this back together and balance what Jesus is saying? And so uh, to understand how to apply this to our lives, I think this is the first thing we, we need to know if you're following along on your notes. The Sabbath day no longer exists. The Sabbath day no longer exists but the command still remains. So let me explain that statement. That's a really big statement. Just to be clear, the Sabbath day that you read about in Deuteronomy and Exodus and throughout the the Jewish scriptures, the Sabbath day you read about in the Bible is not Sunday. It's not Sunday. Jewish people still practice the Sabbath day on the seventh day of the week from Friday night until Saturday night. And that's because they're following God's pattern of creation. A new day in creation actually starts in the evening. And so they're following the pattern of creation on the seventh day from Friday night to Saturday night. But early Christians, and you can start reading about this in the book of Acts, they started worshiping on a new day. And most of these people were Jewish, by the way. They started worshiping on a new day on Sunday, And they called it the Lord's Day. Because it was the first day of the week. It was the week where Jesus had risen from the dead and that they could gather together to remember what he did for them. Think about this for just one second. It is quite amazing that in an entire people group who worshipped from Friday night to Saturday night for 2,000 years would overnight 
start changing the day they worshipped on. They started worshipping on a Sunday, and the only reason they would change their rich tradition is because a dead man rose from the grave. Jesus came back to life, and it changed everything, and it still changes everything. They took their rich history, and they started worshipping on Sunday to remember the day that Jesus rose from the grave. So that is where the Christian tradition of worship and rest on Sunday comes from. But the New Testament actually says that every day is holy unto the Lord. There's no one day any longer that is more important than any other. In Romans 14, verses 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul wrote this, because I think they were having the same conversation that we're having together this morning. And so Paul writes this, In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. And what we need to know is that there is great freedom in following Jesus and observing the Sabbath. So you can practice this Sabbath during any 24-hour period, at any point in the week. For some of you, you work on Sundays, and this doesn't work for you. You can't rest on this day. For me, Sunday is not my Sabbath. It's not my 24 hours of rest. I've started trying to honor the Sabbath from Sunday at noon until Monday at noon or all day on Monday. But Sunday for me, at least in the morning, is not a day of rest where I can stop working. So there's great freedom. The Sabbath day no longer exists. But God did still give a command. And it does still exist. And so if it still exists, and it, it's still a way to honor God, then I want to give us three recommendations on how to practice this Sabbath. So if you're following in your notes, the first recommendation I want to give to you is rest. Rest. Remember, the word Sabbath means to stop. And so here's the important question to ask, and I'm going to repeat this several times in the next few minutes. I've written it out to the side of the word rest. Stop doing what you could do the other six days of the week. Stop doing what you could do the other six days of the week. Give your body, your mind, your soul a rest. I want to encourage you to stop doing anything that appears on your usual to-do list that you could do any of the other six days of the week. Set one 24-hour period apart. Make it holy. Holy means set apart. It looks different. Set it apart. On a 24-hour Sabbath, we move from what we have to do to what we get to do. And so what might that include for some of you? Here's one thing. Stop doing your job during one 24-hour period. Stop doing it. Stop working, including thinking about work. Stop answering texts or emails about work or taking phone calls from work. Business people, here's my guarantee to you. I guarantee this. If you practice this Sabbath, the sun is going to come up tomorrow. And your business will still be there. It really will. And I believe, I believe this, I really do, you'll be more valuable to your company for resting. And if you don't rest, 
My prediction is that your business or your job will actually suffer because you won't be as sharp. You won't be able to make the decisions you need to make. And it could actually hurt your business and your job if you never rest. I had a conversation this week. Um, Pastor Gary gave me a great illustration of a rubber band. And he said, business people, and I've been there. I was in the marketplace before I went back to seminary. Think of yourself as a rubber band. If you are stressed and stressed and busy and busy and you never rest, that rubber band becomes brittle and very breakable. But if we allow it to rest, it's able to do what God intended for it to do, and the same is true with us. We've got to rest if we want to be at our best. Let me talk to another group of people, young parents who either work or stay at home. I need to be honest with you and and just tell you, this is a really hard command for you. It's really hard. I get it. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, and there are some weeks where it's nearly impossible to practice a Sabbath. And you may be sitting here saying, man, that's a great idea. I'd love to rest. (laughs) But diapers need to be changed. My kid needs to eat. And you're right. Diapers do need to be changed, and I'm not telling you to leave your kid in a dirty diaper for 24 hours. I'm not talking about that, and I don't think that's what God's talking about. Young parents, this is what I think God's talking about, and I say this all the time, so lean in just a little here if you're a parent. This is what I say. I say this. It's my day of rest, so I'm going to get everything done that I couldn't get done the other six days. It's my day of rest, so I'm going to go run errands today. It's my day of rest, so I'm going to run my kids all around town everywhere they need to go. It's my day of rest, so I've got to make sure the house is all picked up. And to that, God says, stop. Stop doing today what you could do another six days of the week and set this day apart and make it different. Stop doing for 24 hours anything that you could do on another day. And listen, I get it. I can hear you saying right now, this is great, but it's going to take planning. It certainly took the Israelites some planning. They had to collect food in six days so they could rest on the seventh. It's going to take planning. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take creativity. But it is possible to get your errands done on another day. It is possible to cook ahead if you don't enjoy cooking and put something in the crock pot. It is possible to clean the house some other time or leave some toys on the floor for one day. But you're going to have to be creative. You may have to lean on friends. You may have to lean on family members or husbands and wives. Can you give each other a rest and take turns doing this? If you want to help your kids honor the Sabbath, and pass your faith on to them. Here's a couple recommendations. Have them get their homework done before your 24-hour period of rest. Don't have them do that on a day of rest. Teach them to plan ahead. Have them do their chores a day ahead for the next day so during 24 hours they can rest and they don't have to do any chores during that 24-hour period. You can build into their rhythm of life and their schedule this idea of rest. And here's the benefit. Here's the benefit of intentionally taking a Sabbath. This is what I've found whenever I've done this, and I have not been good about it. 
But when I have done it, I'm a better parent, I'm a better husband, I'm not as angry, I'm not as anxious, I'm not as short with my kids, little things don't bother me as much, I enjoy and love my family more, I'm a better pastor, I'm a better friend, I'm a better follower of Jesus. It's like God said to us, I have a secret for you. I know how life works best. Stop working and rest. Rest. Listen, your family, your friends, your business, and the kingdom of God don't need a burned out you. They need a recharged, refreshed, passionate you. We need to learn how to rest. We need to rest. Number two, here's my second recommendation to you. Remember While you're resting, remember, we're to stop working, but there's something else we're to do. And we talked about it earlier when we looked at Deuteronomy 5. We are to remember. And that's because there's more to practicing a Sabbath than just the absence of work. If you're following in your notes, it's not just the absence of work, it's the presence of worship. It's the presence of worship. During a Sabbath, when we set this 24-hour period apart and make it holy, we're to remember why we're here on this earth, to remember who we are, that we are created in the image of God and that he loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could live with him now and forever. We are to remember and worship God during this time of rest. And so let me make a distinction for you. I think this will help. I... I, You can stop what you're doing, right? I mean, we can just shut down and put everything on hold for 24 hours. We can stop doing everything for 24 hours. But if we don't reflect on God and remember who he is and remember who we are during that 24-hour Sabbath, it's not a Sabbath, it's leisure. It's leisure. We've not rested in the Lord. We're to set this 24 hours apart. It should look different. And so during a Sabbath rest, we can spend time in prayer or reading the Bible or journaling or just thinking about God, taking a walk, listen to praise music. What is it for you that helps you remember who he is and who you are in him? But we need to remember. And and let me say this. While you can practice a 24-hour Sabbath rest, any day of the week, I still do believe Sunday is the best day to practice a Sabbath. If you can. Some of you work, some of it you, it's just not possible. But if it's possible, I do believe Sunday is the best. And that's mostly because it's the one day of the week that most of us are already off work. Our kids are off school. And for the most part, sports teams don't play, although that's becoming less and less true. Let me say this to parents. I just beg of you right now. If you ever come across the choice of whether your child needs to participate in a sporting event or you go to church on a Sunday morning, choose gathering as a faith family every single time. Because if you don't, you are trading the temporary for the eternal. I grew up sometimes with this, and what it does is I made an idol out of sports. And those trophies that I got for that are now in my basement collecting dust and my relationship with Jesus suffered. 
if you ever have the choice, choose to worship as a family. It's the best day to do it. So I believe Sunday's the best day because we just have this built-in rhythm in our society to practice the Sabbath. And the other reason I believe Sunday is the best day, I've done this, so this is why I think it's the best day. If we're not resting and remembering on Sunday when things naturally slow down, I'm just not sure we're going to do it any other day. Because I've said, well, Sunday is really busy. I'm not going to slow down during this 24-hour period, but I'll do it on Thursday. And then Thursday comes around, but I have to work, and my kids are in school, and everything needs to get done, and well, I'll do it on Saturday. Well, I'll do it on Monday. I've just seen it and heard it too many times. We need to be intentional, and Sunday does allow for that. So if you can, I believe Sunday's the best day to do it, but there's great freedom if Sunday doesn't work for you. The command is to find one 24-hour period during every week where we can rest and we can remember. But there's a third thing, and this is huge. And this is my third recommendation to you. As you practice the Sabbath, here it is, ready? Enjoy God. Enjoy God. Remember, Jesus came to restore the Sabbath to its original intent to help us slow down and remember who we are so we can be a thankful people. And Christians, we ought to be some of the most thankful people on the planet. Not always happy. Our circumstances don't always lead to happiness, but we can still find joy and thanksgiving inside of our circumstances. We ought to be thankful people. There was this confession of faith written in 1647 called the Westminster Confession, and a bunch of people got together, and they tried to determine some real basics of the faith. And the first question that they wanted to determine was, what is the purpose of life? Why do we even exist? They asked that question. They said, what is the chief end of man, mankind? And this was their answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's to be in a relationship with God and enjoy him. And so the question on a Sabbath becomes this. What do you enjoy doing? What do you enjoy doing that allows you to glorify God? Maybe it's being outside with your family, going on a walk or a bike ride. Maybe for some of you it's gardening. Maybe it's serving someone else together as a family or by yourself on the Sabbath. Jesus served others on the Sabbath. Maybe for you, it's having friends over to play games or watch the football game. Maybe it's taking a nap. Taking a nap is one of the most spiritual things some of you could do. Maybe it's going to a coffee shop and it's reading a good book. Maybe it's playing basketball with the buddies or watching NASCAR this afternoon. Maybe it's playing golf. Husbands, real quick, don't go home and say, you heard the pastor, I got to go play golf. <laughs> don't, don't. Don't do that, but talk about it. Talk about it, right? I mean, how can you trade off with your spouse? You find enjoyment doing that, and you can glorify God doing it. So go do it if it works for your family. There's great freedom in it. Maybe it's cooking a great meal because you love to cook, and you have family or friends over. Then do it and enjoy it. If you hate cooking, plan ahead and put something in the crock pot yesterday. What do you enjoy? Go out to eat if that's what brings you joy. The Sabbath was created for us to slow down and enjoy God. I talked to one family who comes to church on Sunday morning, and then sometimes they have a sporting event in the afternoon. I love what they said. I'm just going to read you their quote. 
They said every family makes their own decisions on this one. But we decided to make the sporting event a part of our Sabbath by enjoying the community of families God has placed us in. We go to church, then the sporting event, and often we eat together with friends and family afterwards. We avoid bringing work along to those games, and we try to enter into the fun of the experience. They enjoyed God, and there's great freedom in doing it. What brings you joy and allows you to glorify God there's great freedom in what we can do, but we need to remember it is a gift. And we are to rest, remember, and enjoy him. And so I, I need to ask you, how are you all doing with this fourth commandment? Are, are you legalistic about it? Are you minimalistic about it? Are you somewhere in the middle? For me, I, I've just blatantly disobeyed this command for 38 years. I just didn't take it seriously. I think it's serious not to kill somebody or steal something or have an affair. But I just never took this one seriously. And so, how are you doing at this? Because God gave us this gift because he loves us. And he wants us to rest because he knows we need it. He knows we need it. He knows it'll point us back to him. We'll remember who we are and who he is. And he knows that if we don't do this regularly, we'll forget who he is, we'll forget what he's done for us, and we will run ourselves down pursuing the idols of busyness and work and reputation and money, and the list goes on and on. So as I wrestled with this, and I, I just thought, man, why do I break this one so often? Why is it? I, I tried to peel this back, and this is what I think it comes down to. If you're following in your notes, I, I believe honoring the Sabbath is a trust issue. I believe it's a trust issue. Rest is always associated with trust in God, and if we're not choosing to rest, we're choosing not to trust in God. When we don't practice a Sabbath, we're not trusting that God will provide for our needs. We're trusting in ourselves. And when we decide to honor the Sabbath, what we're doing is saying, God, I can't do it all in six days. I'm going to work really hard, and I'm going to try my best, and I'm going to do my work for you. But I'm going to trust that everything will be okay. I'm trusting you to provide. I trust the sun will come up tomorrow. And I'm going to rest in you. I trust you. And when I haven't practiced the Sabbath, I think I've just trusted in myself more than I've trusted in God. And so the question I want to leave us with this morning, and I've asked myself this same question if you're following on your notes. Will you commit to practicing a Sabbath the next four weeks? Will you give it the month of October? Will you go home and plan one day, one 24-hour period in the next four weeks? And I'm going to join you on this because I've never practiced a Sabbath four weeks in a row. I've been hit or miss, and if something came up, I just did it. If I got busy, I did it. And I'm going to join you in committing for the next four weeks to find one 24-hour period every week to practice a Sabbath. 
and we can hold each other accountable on this. Find me in the lobby and say, how's it going, Brian? How you doing on that? But I want us to think about that. Will we do, will we do this? Will we rest, remember what matters, and enjoy God? Are you willing to trust him? Let me say this, final thing, right? This is going to be hard. You are going to have to plan ahead. You're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to sacrifice some things. You're going to have to say no to people and let them down. And society is not going to support you on this. They will not. But if we're to set this day apart as a holy day, people will notice there's something different in how we're living. And it might give us the opportunity to tell them about Jesus simply because we're choosing a day of rest. And so I know we're busy, and I know this is hard to think about, and I know it's hard to commit to, but God said, God said, I know what's best for you. Honor the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath. You pray with me this morning. God, as we come to a time of communion, we first want to pause and confess to you that for most of us, we have blatantly disregarded and broken this command almost every week. I know that's true for me. And so, God, we pause before we remember what you did for us on the cross, and we just want to say we're sorry. We're sorry we have not taken this command seriously. We're sorry that we think we actually know better than you know. And we're sorry we haven't obeyed you. God, this is really hard to do, but I am thankful for your word. I am thankful that you promise in the Bible that you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us, and you will always be with us, and we need your help to practice this Sabbath. So I pray now, as we take communion, and as we rest, and as we remember who you are and who we are in you, I pray, God, that you would help us determine how we can apply this to our lives and find a time to rest in you. We are so grateful for who you are. We love you and thank you for the gifts you give us, even when they don't look like gifts at first. We thank you that they are. It's in Jesus' name that everybody agreed and said, Amen. Well, as we move into communion, there's one more verse. There's one more verse that I want to share with you. It's found in the book of Hebrews. It's on the screen. It's in chapter 4, verse 9. Would you read this with me? It says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And so we talked about the fourth commandment today and how to practice a Sabbath in one 24-hour period each week. And as important as that is, there's something more to it than that. Steve mentioned this last week when he taught on the name of the Lord. Does anybody remember what the name Jesus means? Just yell it out. Savior, Savior. We all need a Savior because we've all broken every single one of these commands a hundred times over. 
And because of our sin, we are separated from God now and forever. But the good news, why the Bible is called the good news, is that while we were still sinners, while we were still separated from God, Jesus died on the cross. He came to this earth to live a perfect life and take our sins upon him so that we could be saved from our rebellion. And what that means is that when we place our trust, there's that word again, right? Trust. When we place our trust in what Jesus accomplished on the cross, we are forgiven and we are no longer separated from God. And when we read in Hebrews that there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, what we read is that we can rest because we don't have to work so hard to earn God's favor. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more. We can rest in what he did on the cross. And so today as we take communion, we're going to do so in silence. We want to give you the chance to rest, remember, and enjoy God. If you're a follower of Jesus here, I, I encourage you to thank him for all that he's given to you and what he's done for you in his son Jesus. And everyone who's a follower of Jesus here, you're invited to participate in communion. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that's okay. Again, we are glad you're here. This is a very holy practice for us where we remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. And so when the tray passes, if you're not, a, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, just pass the tray by you. By doing that, you'd be honoring us and you'd be honoring God. But know this, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you pass that tray, nobody's going to look at you weird at all. And if they do, come talk to me. Because there's nothing weird about you. This is just a holy moment that we practice together. And for you, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, maybe this is a time where you say, God, would you just reveal more of yourself to me? Or maybe you just want to thank him and go down a list of everything you have in your life. Because it's all from him. It's all from him. And so the deacons are going to come forward in just a moment and they're going to distribute the bread and the juice. And this is what I'd ask. Would you all take that, if you're a follower of Jesus, and hold on to it? And then when everybody has the elements, we'll take this together as a faith family. And so I'm going to invite um, our team to come forward as we rest, remember, and enjoy God.